Hello, and welcome to LSA's sermon-based podcast. Today, Tim Fletcher is back and continuing in our series, Miracles, as he'll be talking about Lazarus. We hope you are blessed by his message today. And now, here is Tim Fletcher. Thank you, Brian, and thank you again for having me here. When I was asked to speak and I was told that you're doing a series on miracles and I was asked what miracle I'd like to talk about, well, I grew up, I went to church even before I was born um, in my mom's womb and basically went three, four, five times a week because my dad was a pastor and that's what pastor's kids do. And, uh, and so church knew every miracle inside out backwards. And, and so I thought about it. And the miracle that came to me kind of surprised me is the raising of Lazarus. And the raising of Lazarus was a miracle I knew well, but it was a miracle that really hadn't had a profound effect on me to about five years ago. And that's what I want to share with you this morning is why this miracle has had such a profound effect on me, and I really hope it will have a profound effect on you as well. So it's based on this, I am the resurrection and the life, which is a very familiar thing for many people. But let me just begin by talking about why this miracle. Why does John Tell us about this miracle. Why did Jesus do this miracle? And there's really two main things that are important to understand. This miracle happened just about a week before Jesus died. So we're coming up to the death of Jesus, the Good Friday and all of those things that are so important to our faith. What is important to understand is that the Jewish leaders were getting really, really angry at Jesus, but they didn't want to kill him just yet. And they made a commitment amongst themselves that they would not kill him at Passover time. Because that was the great celebration. Jerusalem grew four times its normal number because people were required, every Jewish man was required to come to Passover. And so they said, we're going to kill him, but not at Passover. But Jesus said, I'm going to die on Passover because that's God's picture from the Old Testament that the lamb will die on the Passover. So I must die on Passover. So you have Jesus saying, going to die. The Jewish leaders say, no, you're not. Well, who's going to win that battle? So Jesus has to force their hand. And this miracle is the first thing he does to really get them worked up. Because what happens because of this miracle is Jesus' popularity just spreads at an even greater rate. Everybody hears about it. Everybody wants to see Jesus. And Jesus then, in the days that follow, does thing after thing that push the Jewish leaders to the point that say, we got to get rid of him the first chance we get. And Judas provides that, and Jesus dies on Passover. But this is the event, the catalyst that sets the whole thing in motion. The second thing to be aware of is John is the one that tells us this miracle. And John, in his gospel, his goal is to prove that Jesus is God. And he does that by giving 
seven signs or seven miracles, and then seven I am statements. And this is the seventh miracle that John is giving to us. And it's significant because Jesus has, so far in his miracles, he's shown he's powerful over nature. He's shown he's powerful over sickness. He's shown he's powerful over demons. But there's one power, enemy, that no human being has ever been able to defeat, and that is death. Every human being that has been born has died. It is one every time. And so the big question is, can Jesus defeat death? Because only then can we truly believe that he is God, because only God can defeat death. And so in this seventh and final miracle sign, John shows Jesus coming face to face with death and showing that he's greater than death. So that's the picture behind this, and that's why the I am, I am the resurrection and the life that comes out of this, which is the fifth I am in John's gospel, is such a significant thing because it is a great claim that I must be God if I can defeat death. Now there's something just as we get into this, what I'm gonna say now, is that when John gives a sign, he always has layers of messages. It's not just the obvious message he wants us to see, there's coded messages. So John was writing this gospel when persecution was rampant. People were dying. And so he, was, he wrote a lot of things, hidden messages, coded messages you gotta look for. And I wanna give you four that are so significant to me that I hope will impact you that John wants us to see. But before I give, get that, let me just give you the background of this miracle. Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha, so the three siblings. They lived just outside of Jerusalem in a little village. Whenever Jesus came down from Nazareth in the north to visit Jerusalem, he often stayed at their place and they became very close friends. And so we read of Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, Martha fretting in the kitchen, preparing food. So Mary, Martha, and Lazarus became close friends of Jesus that he spent a lot of time with, had a real kinship with. Jesus is away somewhere else in Israel, and Lazarus becomes sick. And it's not just a little sickness. They realize this is serious, serious sickness. The doctors don't seem to be able to help. And so Mary sends a message to Jesus saying, your friend, Lazarus, is sick unto death. Please come and heal him. Now, the assumption and expectation that Mary had is, Lazarus is Jesus' very good friend. Jesus has healed hundreds, thousands of people in Israel. He'll come. He'll just fix this up, no problem at all. Lazarus will be healed, we'll be happy again. This, this problem is going to be behind us because Jesus cares. 
Jesus loves Lazarus. They're close friends. He's not going to let Lazarus die. Whoa, were they in for a surprise? Jesus receives the message and doesn't do a thing. He stays where he's at. He finally heads down towards Mary and Martha and Lazarus' place. But when he gets there, he finds out Lazarus has been dead for four days. He was four days late. We're going to come back to that because it's such a significant part. But I want you to understand why did Jesus wait four days? So in Jewish belief system at that time, they believed that when a person died, their spirit hung around the body for three days. And as long as a spirit hung around the body, it was possible for that body to be raised again to life. But after four days, the spirit was gone. So let me just read you this quote. It is a tradition of Ben Kafra's, the very height of mourning is not till the third day. For three days, the spirit wanders about the sepulcher, expecting if it may return into the body. But when it sees that the form or aspect of the body is changed, then it hovers no more, but leaves the body to itself. In other words, Jesus waits until after the three days, until all hope is gone. As long as there was that three-day window, there was hope. He waits till it's all gone. Now what is John wanting us to see? Four really important lessons. Number one, Jesus wept. So I grew up in Sunday school and we had all kinds of Bible memorization contests. Guess what my favorite verse to memorize in the Bible? John eleven thirty five, the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. You want to realize something, though, that that is a super significant verse? When you come to the last week of Jesus, John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, give us a window into the humanity of Jesus, that he was a human. And we see he had this emotional life that we haven't seen up till now. And what we find at this funeral is Jesus weeps. Now, here's why I want you to think about this. There's a brand of spirituality, Christianity, that's out there today that makes it sound like the more spiritual become, you'll only experience positive emotions. So if you're really, really close to God, you'll always be happy. Jesus shows that's a lie. Jesus shows the more spiritual you become, the more human you are. The more you show all of the emotions, even those that would be considered negative or weak. Now let me just take that a bit further for you. Let me read you what it says. When Jesus saw Mary weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, deep anger welled up. So he's not just crying, he's mad, but not just the mild mad, deep anger within him. He was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come see. Then Jesus wept. 
The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry when he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. What to me is so important is this. What caused people to become less human? It was being separated from God, disconnected from God, disconnected from self, disconnected from others due to trauma, due due to conditional love. That's what causes people to not be fully human. When Jesus came on the scene, he said, I want to introduce you to a spirituality that's different than the spirituality you're being taught, which the Jews were at that time, that if you're really spiritual, you're less than human. Jesus said, deep spirituality, connection to God, leads to total humanness. Now that, to me, is so significant, especially for many of the people that I deal with that come out of trauma that often feel I need to be strong, which means I got to get rid of the weak parts of me and not let them be seen. And Jesus says, no, become human. Remember what Jesus did in Matthew 18? He took a little child on his knee. He says, you want to get into the kingdom? Become like a child. There's lots of different lessons in that, but one of the lessons of that is what is a child They are the most authentic human being there is. They haven't learned to wear masks yet. They haven't learned to play roles yet. They're just them. They're human. And Jesus said, I'm about bringing people to humanness again, connection again to themselves and to God. There's a second thing, and this one to me probably touches me the most. Can you imagine Mary and Martha with this expectation Jesus is going to come and heal? He doesn't, Lazarus dies. That would have been crushing. Then they go, okay, we got three days, three days. He can come still in three days and maybe he can raise Lazarus. He doesn't come for three days. On the fourth day he comes, all hope is gone. I think Mary and Martha would have gone through a spiritual crisis. They thought Jesus loved Lazarus. They thought Jesus cared. But at this moment in time, it felt like Jesus didn't care. It felt like Jesus had abandoned them. Why that to me is so significant is because for many of us, We tend to think that if we are close to God, we will never struggle with God. What Mary and Martha were having was they were having serious doubts about God. They were confused about God. They were, we're going to see, they were angry at Jesus. That's part of spiritual experience. Let me take that a little bit further for you. Most of us, when we have a problem... We pray about it. We ask God to act in that problem. God sometimes gives us what we want. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he makes us wait. And if he says no, then we feel a bit of frustration, but we get on with life. 
But go to Mary and Martha's experience. They didn't just have a little problem. They had a severe, big, the biggest problem they've ever had in their life. They were desperate. They begged God to do what they wanted God to do, heal their brother. Jesus didn't. What they feared the most happened. That leads to a dark place. That leads to a confusing, difficult place. That's why I think this story is so powerful for me is because what it helps me realize is that Every person that walks with God for any length of time will go through one of these crises. They will go through times where God doesn't answer what they so desperately want and their worst fear happens and it feels like God doesn't care. It feels like God can't be trusted. It feels like God has abandoned them. You want to know what I find fascinating? Jesus never reprimanded Mary and Martha for getting angry at him. When Jesus showed up, Mary runs out and she gives him a little piece of her mind. Martha goes out, gives him a little passive-aggressive shot. He doesn't reprimand them. You want to know what I love about the Psalms? About a quarter of the Psalms are called lament Psalms. And a lot of them start out with, God, where are you? God, I'm angry at you. God, I'm confused by you. That's a quarter of the Psalms start out on a negative. They start out in pain and confusion, lashing out. God never reprimands that. So that's part of a relationship. That's okay. You're able to do that in a relationship with God. There's a third lesson from this that I love. This is one of only a couple miracles where Jesus partially heals. So what happens in this is Jesus raises Lazarus. He says, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let them, him go. Do you realize Jesus could have very easily raised Lazarus from the dead and had all of the grave clothes stripped away? He raised him from the dead but left the grave clothes on him and Lazarus kind of waddles out. He can't even see because his head's still wrapped up. You know, what's going on with that? Why didn't Jesus do this miracle right? There's a metaphor here that John wants us to see. And I love this metaphor. Jesus gave Lazarus new life, but he doesn't remove the grave clothes. He lets him still have parts of his old life around him that are restrictive, that get in the way of him being what he should be. I work with people every day who've got new life, they still got some grave clothes on. Ways from their old life that still restrict them. Now, one of the things that gets me upset sometimes about a lot of Christian churches today 
is they promise total miracles all the time. They say, come to Jesus and he'll take your gray clothes away and you'll never struggle again. He'll take all of those old habits and issues from the past and they'll just disappear magic. And they offer this magic fix that's going to be an instantaneous freedom from grave clothes. What I love about this miracle is God, through Jesus says, you lose him and let him go. He needs you now. This is not just God only. We need each other. We need to do some work now. And so when you come to understand the biblical doctrine of sanctification, which is where the grave clothes start to fall away, God has a part. But the Lazarus miracle, John is saying, but we got a part too. This is just not a God-only peace. We have to cooperate with God. We have to help each other as a community, as a body. That's how people get rid of grave clothes. So be very careful when you come to what I is now referred to as spiritual bypassing. And what spiritual bypassing is basically instant fixes that don't require me to have to work hard to develop new habits and deal with old issues. Beware of that. Now, there's one final thing, this four days late. Do you realize that from the timeline of Mary and Martha, Jesus was four days late? But from Jesus' timeline, he was right on time. Four days late from our perspective, right on time from God's perspective. We need to be reminded of that. Isaiah 55. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Part of what makes spiritual crises at times is that God's thoughts aren't my thoughts. His timeline doesn't match my timeline. One of the hardest parts of a relationship with God is trusting his timeline when it's different than mine. And that, I think, was the lesson that Mary and Martha must have walked away with. We thought he had abandoned us. We thought he didn't care because he was four days late. But what we learned was he was right on time. And he never stopped loving us. He never abandoned us. But why was he four days late? Because he had a bigger purpose. He had to be four days late to show he's truly God. And he had to raise our brother from the dead after four days. That was the greater purpose. So even though it felt like he didn't care because he was four days late, he's right on time. He does care. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this beautiful miracle and the hidden messages, the messages that take us to a new understanding of some of the issues we struggle with. And for any who are here today 
who are going through a spiritual crisis, who are struggling with you, that you're not working by what they thought the timeline should be, that you would just encourage them, help them to trust you. Amen. Thank you for listening to LSA's Sermon-Based Podcast. If you enjoyed this content, please like and subscribe our channel. If you'd like to partner with LSA, you can. Just go to lsa.church forward slash give. And if you're ever in our area, we would love for you to join us in person. Until next time, be blessed and we'll see you soon.